Hey everyone, welcome to another edition, another podcast episode of The Thinking Christian. I'm your host, Dane Kramer, and this is The Thinking Christian Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you're new to this podcast, if this is your first episode or you just started listening in and you kind of want to know what this is all about, it's sort of what the name implies, and that is I'm a Christian and I just kind of want to think. You know, I just, just want, to, want to walk through some of the issues that concern us today, concern the church, concern the world, concern me, and just think about them. You know, think reasonably and logically and, and just walk through it like that. Because I believe that faith can be and is a reasonable, logical exercise. It is something, according to Hebrews, based on evidence. Hebrews chapter one, 11, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11 1. And so uh, it's, it's not unreasonable to think through your faith. And that's what I am about. That's what I want to do with this episode or with this uh, podcast. Excuse me. So if this is something you like, please subscribe to the uh, podcast. You can do that on uh, Apple. You can do that on Android. You can do that from my own website. Uh, Whatever platform you're listening to, uh, subscribe it. That way when the newest episode comes out, you'll get um, an update. I do apologize. I missed last week's. I'm trying to my goal is to release one episode per week, and that seems like a pretty easy task, but uh, I've fallen behind. Initially, I had several in queue, and it was real easy to release one a week, but the busyness of life has kind of kept me from my recording studio, which is here in my office in my house, and uh, so I've fallen a little bit behind, uh, but my, my, again, my goal is to get one out uh, per week. Okay, so today's episode uh, is uh, The Essentials. What does it take to be a Christian? What do you have to believe to be a Christian? And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, I will say that I think for a lot of people, this topic stirs the emotions. Uh, it, it, it actually can get you riled up. In fact, I'm going to say a few things here shortly, which I'm sure will probably fire a few fires out there. We'll stoke a few fires, I should say. Um, and, I mean, I get it. Uh, it it's... it's uh, it's a sensitive subject, for sure, and, and it's not easily one understood. So, you know, as I talk about this today, uh, I know going into it that it may uh, stir some people, and feel free to leave a comment if you'd like to uh, on the episode. If you disagree with me, by all means, make sure you leave a comment to that effect. Uh, if I've slipped into heresy, please tell me so that I can adjust myself. But uh, I'm not purposely in heresy. I, I'm doing what I think is reasonable. And as I walk through this, I hope you, you, you see the logic and the reasoning, especially as I lean on some scripture today, um, by what I mean by all of this. Now, let me start off. When I was a young man, uh, young Christian man, uh, and you would have asked me this question, what, what does a person have to believe to be saved? You know, what is essential for the Christian to believe in, to be a Christian? Everything that I believed at that time, well, let's let's all describe it in, in terms of a circle. If I believed that everything you had to believe was in this circle, the circle would have been pretty wide. It would have been large. There was a lot of things that I thought that a Christian just had to accept, a Christian had to believe in to be a Christian. And I have to confess that as I've become older, uh, as I've grown older and I've thought through this and, and hopefully matured in the Lord a little bit, that circle has gotten narrower and narrower. It's gotten smaller. I mean, it's not as big as it used to be. Now, it doesn't mean that those things that I believed in are no longer true, or I no longer believe that they're true. I've, actually, I don't think much has changed in terms of what I think is true about the Christian faith. 
Rather, what I believe is essential to the Christian faith, or to be a Christian, that may have changed. So all these things are still true. So um, <clears throat> that, that's kind of important to note as you uh, criticize me today. I still believe many of these things to be true. And we'll talk about what some of these things are here in a moment. All right, so what does it take to be saved? What do you have to believe in? Well, let me just run down a, a list uh, of, of some things. Um, for example, do you have to believe in the virgin birth to be saved? Do you have to believe in the virgin birth? Do you have to believe that God was the father of Jesus and not some man? Is it possible that you could be a follower of Jesus Christ and not accept the vir virgin birth? Is it possible that you, a person, could, let's say, not believe in the rapture of the church? Or believe that the rapture is a secret rapture? Maybe some believe that it's uh, a visible rapture. Um, some believe that the rapture separates the second coming by seven years, and some believe that it occurs on the same day. Is this essential? Do you have to have the right view of this? Do you have to believe that Jesus is going to return? What about someone who isn't certain if Jesus is God? What if they believe or what if they believe that he is created by God? That God created Jesus as the the first creation, the the, the first created creature of all creation, that he sets Jesus above all creation, but he didn't exist eternally. Does a person who hold that that position can they not be a Christian? Can they not be a follower of Jesus? What about someone who believes that abortion is okay? Are they uh, not a Christian? Or are they a Christian? Can they be a believer and, and hold a different view of abortion than you do? What about someone who believes that women can be elders of a church? There are some who believe they can and there are some who believe that they can't. Is it essential? Is that important? What about somebody who divorces and remarries and they are an elder of a church can they do that can they be saved and do that what about someone who um, is a homosexual and pursues the homosexual lifestyle can they be a Christian and do that or let's say maybe a pastor who marries a homosexual couple can that person can that pastor be a follower of Jesus Christ can they be a Christian and do and believe in those things. Now, as I run through this list, and this is not an exhaustive list by, list by any stretch of the imagination, I'm just touching on a few things. In fact, I'm touching on a few things that I believe will probably inflame some people. As you hear some of those, there are some people thinking, I mean, it just gets you riled up. There are some of those causes that I just talked about that are, people are very invested in and um, probably shaking their head, no, no, you can't be a Christian if you do this or believe in that, or you can't be a Christian and deny this or deny that. And, and maybe you can't. I don't, I don't know. You know? I, I'm, I'm asking the questions here today, but I'm going to provide some of my own answers. I'm not saying they are the answers. But let's first you know, decide on what it means to be a Christian. I mean, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, in the book of Acts, in chapter 11, we read in verse 26 that the disciples, that means the disciples of Jesus, the people who were following Jesus, they were first called Christians 
Christians in the city of Antioch. Okay, so, so in Acts chapter 11, that's when the term Christian was sort of um, tagged, and it was tagged to people who were disciples of Jesus. So the word Christian is just really synonymous for disciple. A disciple is synonymous for a follower of Jesus. So to take the biblical definition, I believe, that a Christian is a follower of Jesus, someone who is following the teachings, following the way of Jesus, someone who has committed themselves to, to, to be a disciple of his. And that's what a Christian is. Okay, And there are a few verses in the Bible that I believe describe on how one might become a Christian. Uh, how one might be converted to uh, become a disciple of Jesus. The, the most famous, of course, is John 3.16, which says, reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's King James Version. Um, so there we read that the way to become a Christian is to believe in him. Another famous passage in, in Romans chapter 10 is Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, that's just verse 9, and that's good enough. So if you, if you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, what's interesting about that verse. In fact, a few verses later in Romans chapter 10, Paul writes, and he quotes, I think, from the Old Testament, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord, that will save you. What's interesting about these few verses is, is you, you see, there's not a lot of theology packed into them in terms of what we must believe. In other words, Jesus didn't say, or John didn't record in John 3.16, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him and holds fast to the virgin birth doctrine shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, Paul didn't say in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess your mouth with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the triune God, that uh, you will be saved. Whoever he doesn't he didn't write whoever rejects homosexual marriage and calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. None of those things are mixed in there. Actually, if you look at these verses, all of the verses um, about this, I mean, Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, for you are all sons of God through faith. You become a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith, that's it. I mean, in a sense, it's pretty simple, isn't it? And there isn't a lot there in fact, there's nothing there about what we must hold to be true, that we must believe to be true, to be saved. You know, what's interesting is in John chapter 2, very, very early, very early in Jesus' ministry, um, so early that even the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, didn't, they didn't even pick up on these things just yet. This is, this, this is before that, where Jesus did the, the miracle in Cana of Galilee. We read in, in chapter 2 there that his disciples, after, after he did this, after he did this miracle, turned the water into wine, we read in John, John chapter 2 that his disciples believed in him. Well, that's interesting. They believed in him. Now, what they believed in him, it's not really clear. But it says they, they believed in him. So, they saw this miracle and they believed. Now, I'm going to guess they didn't realize at that moment that Jesus was the Son of God. I'm going to guess at that moment that they were that they did not have a concept that they were standing in the presence of Jehovah God Himself. 
I, I don't think that they understood any of that. But they believed in him. You know, in, in Luke chapter 10, after um, his disciples, he had sent them out on this short-term mission trip and they came back, Jesus said to them, he said, you know, rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. And he told his disciples that. So, evidently, they were saved in, in Luke chapter 10. But yet, what they knew to, about Jesus to be true, I'm not really sure. In fact, I, I think they were struggling still with who Jesus was. And so, it's apparent to me that even though they were saved, I don't think they really had their entire theology intact yet. So, that suggests to me that you might be able to be saved and not have pure and proper theology. Matter of fact, I hope that's the case. I hope you don't have to have perfect theology because I'm in trouble. I mean, I, I'm not holding theology incorrectly on purpose. I, you know, I'm, I'm not holding the things that I know to be lies. I'm not telling lies. I, I'm, I'm, I'm believing what I believe to be true, and I'm doing my very best, but it's very possible that I'm wrong about some things. It's very possible that we're all wrong about some things. And I hope, I hope to think, that we can be saved and still be wrong. You know, the, the question still remains, though, you know, what must a Christian hold to be essential to be saved? And in my study, the scripture shows me that it's very little. Uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure all of these Christian doctrines, which we hold to be true, and I do hold m many of them to be true. I mean, I, I would consider myself evangelical. I consider myself um, conservative, um, you know, mainline in the sense of my, my biblical beliefs. I believe these things to be true. I'm just not so sure that those who don't hold to the same things can't be saved. You know, the other night at jail, I was having Bible study, and I was talking to a young man, and he said that he had been raised Christian, and then he left the Christian faith and became a, a Buddhist. And um, he said, you know, and, and now he, he's thinking about returning to the Christian faith, and he told me, or he asked me, he said, is it possible that I could be a Christian and still be Buddha, you know, a Buddhist? You know, could I follow Buddha and follow Jesus? And I think maybe in my earlier days, I would have... You know, probably said, you know, shouted, no, you can't do that. That's wrong, and, and those kinds of things. And I guess I, I didn't get as excited about it as I would have in, in some days. Um, and my answer to him, and whether it was inspired by God or lucky or wrong, I'll let you be the judge. But uh, I told him, you know, well, first of all, I, I told him, Buddha, of course, teaches that there is no God, and Christianity teaches that there is a God. So you can't hold both to be true simultaneously. You can't believe that there is no God, and you can't believe that there is a God at the same time. you got to pick one or the other. He said, oh, yeah, I, okay, I get that. Well, I believe there's a God now. He said, I do that. I said, but I like Buddha's teachings. And I said, you know what? Do this. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, I think it is. Seek first the kingdom of God. I said, what you need to do is just follow Jesus. Just try to imitate him. Just try to follow who Jesus is. And I'll let him take care of the rest. If he's pleased with your following Buddha and the teachings of Buddha, then, that, then I'm pleased. But if you follow Jesus and, and he convicts you and he tells you to let some of this go, then you let it go. So you follow Jesus. I'm not going to answer that question for you. I'm going to let Jesus answer that question for you. And he looked at me for a second and he nodded his head. He said, that's a good answer. <laughs> And um, I think it is. 
You know, I'm becoming more and more content to let God decide what a person must believe to be a follower of Jesus. You know, there's some people that I know who actually hold a different view of the Godhead than I do. Um, I'm Trinitarian, at least, I mean, I, I would fall into that class. Um, I believe the Trinitarian explanation of the Godhead is probably the best. I'm not saying it is the best, but I think it's a it's the best that I've heard so far, put it that way, to describe the triune God or, or who God is. But there are some people who don't agree with me. They, they don't see it the same way that I do. They see Jesus differently. Um, and yet, I'm, I'm thinking of two people in particular, actually. Yet these two people, as far as I can tell, they love Jesus. They follow him. They try to imitate him. They read his teachings. They read the Bible. And they call themselves Christians. And you know, I might disagree with them, and I probably would. But at the same time, I have to admit, you know what? Maybe, maybe they are Christians. In fact, I do believe that they are. Just because they don't agree with me, just because they don't follow me or, or hold to the same teachings that I hold to. I mean, what if I'm wrong about some of these things? And they're right. Who am I to judge? Another man's servant. Actually, that, what I just quoted, another man's servant, is from Romans chapter 14. And that's an interesting passage in Romans 14. Um, Paul is talking about people who are disputing in the church over certain things. He says that, you know, one believes that he can eat all things. Another person says, well, you know, I, I can't eat some things. There are some things that are not kosher. You know, there are some things that I can't eat. And so Paul recognizes in the church, early church in Rome, there were some people who felt like they were free to eat anything as a Christian and some who felt like they couldn't eat anything as a Christian. And, and he, you know, when he asked this rhetorical question, well, who are you to judge another man's servant? Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. In other words, these people are serving God, not you. So don't judge them. He went on to say that one person esteems one day above another. And another person esteems every day alike. My guess is what he might be referring to is there were some people in the early church who were Sabbatarians. I mean, they, they believed in following the Sabbath, the old Jewish seventh day of the week Sabbath. In other words, they got together. They wanted to worship on Saturday, not Sunday or the you know another day or Tuesday. And there were some people in the church who probably esteemed every day alike. Now, what's interesting is when Paul read this, or heard this, when he heard this from the Church of Rome, I believe this is before he had actually visited there, but when he heard about some of the disputes, he could have sat down and wrote down in his letter and said, listen, let's all come together on Sunday, or let's all come together on Saturday. He could have just settled the matter. He could have said, you know what, let's all eat the same kinds of foods. You know, you you can eat everything, or you can't. I mean, he could have just settled the matter, and, and that way we'd all be the same. But he didn't respond like that. He said, regarding the, the observation of days. He said, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, he observes it to the Lord. Who, who, he who eats, he eats to the Lord. In other words, these people are exercising the faith, their faith, the best they know how. And Paul wasn't going to get in the way of that. He wasn't going to try to sway them to his side. He was going to let God take care of that. And friends, I'm becoming more and more content 
to let God decide on who's a Christian and who's not. I know this is a sensitive subject. I know some people think, well, Dane, you're just being liberal about all of this. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to understand truth. I'm trying to understand that there are differences in the way that we see truth. Now, I still believe in truth very much. And I'm willing to talk about what the Bible teaches and willing to, to share what I believe to be the truth. But if someone doesn't agree with me, it's not on me. That's between them and God, I believe. And I'll let God decide who's a Christian and who's not. Well, thanks for joining me on this podcast. I appreciate you being here today. I look forward to the next one and for you coming back. Until then, this is Dane Kramer signing off from the Thinking Christian Podcast.